How does a case of free beer sound? Our pals at Beer52 are offering listeners to Factitious a free case of eight craft beers. Simply go to www.beer52.com forward slash fact 22 and cover the meagre postage costs of £5.95 to claim your free case now. Did you know that Beer52 is the biggest beer club in the world? Each month they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, including Belgium, Czech Republic and America. So far, members have experienced beers from 40 different countries spanning five continents. From big, juicy pale ales to delicious, sumptuous stouts, you can try the best beers from across the world with the UK's number one beer club. And if dark beer is not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. If you haven't had your fill of facts from this week's podcast, you will also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment and a couple of tasty snacks. Even if, after all that, you're still not satisfied, you can simply pause or cancel your membership at any time. So that's beer52.com forward slash fact22 to claim your free case of eight craft beers now. That's beer52.com forward slash fact and the numbers 22. Factitious, a podcast which makes you question what you know and almost certainly go away knowing something you didn't know before. I'm Tom Harrison, and as always, I'm joined by Rob Graham. Hello! And as always on Factitious, each week one of us will take on the role of the experts, trawling through little-known facts about a range of topics, teaching the other using our three golden facts designed to shock, surprise and wow our student, which is you this week. It is, and you get through that intro way better than I do. (laughs) Uh, lots and lots of practice yeah. from our old podcast yeah. doing the intros. Um, so this week, uh, we did discuss it at the end of last week's episode, um, I'm going to be talking about the Bible. Mm. And I know I have this bit of a habit of doing either kind of a, a science... I tend to either do sciencey things, conspiracy things, or religious things. And I kind of like rotate yeah. around those. Um, but it's important to note that when I'm saying we're going to talk about the Bible... We're not going to be talking too much about Christianity. Obviously, it will come up, um, but it's pretty I'm, integral. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to be. I'm literally talking about the book yeah. of the Bible and like how it came about and things like that. So I'm not going to be reading. Actually, I'm going to do a little bit of Bible reading, but in a slightly different way. But I'm not just going to be telling you stories from the Bible. Um, I'm also aware that you grew up yeah. as a Christian doing Sunday school. And You're things. not going to ask me to <laughs> recite the books of the Bible in order. No, because there are a lot of them, mm. which we'll get on to. Um, There's a song that we learned at Sunday school about that. Oh, okay. I'm not going to recite um, it, just to be clear. Just sing it. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to ask you what you know about the Bible, because... You probably know it a fair bit if your memories, you know, if you can take yourself back yeah. to those Sunday school days. Um, so we're just gonna we're gonna dive in if that's quite all right. Absolutely. So we're gonna start with golden fact number one, and that is that the Bible may be the most collaborative and longest sort of like literary project in history. Um, so we've got the Old and New Testament, if people didn't know, those are kind of the two 
halves-ish, although they're very uneven halves of the Bible, um, made up of 66 separate books um, and written by approximately 40 different authors. So it's not like a Stephen King novel where Steve sits down and writes the whole thing. (laughs) We have 40 different people writing 66 books and then eventually they kind of put those books, 66 books together and we're like, we're going to call this the Bible. So because of that, dating the Bible is really difficult. Obviously, a lot of books, you can say it was published in, I think my pirate book that I talked about last week was published in 1724. We know that it was written by one one guy. Whereas the Bible, the spread in authorship is about 2,000 years. So when the first stories were written to when the Bible is published. Um, And it's believed that the first of the five books of the Old Testament were written by Moses, who I'm sure you've all heard of, between about 1450 and 1410 BC. So we're talking three and a half thousand years ago. Um, And obviously the New Testament ends much later than that. Um, so the first complete widespread edition of the Bible was assembled and published by St. Jerome around uh, the year 400 AD. So we're talking nearly 2,000 years, like I say, um, after Moses yep. first wrote those first five, uh, five books. And where was he based? St. Jerome. Mm. That's a really good question, one that I did not uh, find out on, actually. Um, but the book was written in Latin, so I'm guessing... Well, could be anyway. They all spoke Latin then, didn't Yeah, they? good point. Uh, if I had to guess... Somewhere Italy, somewhere Italy way. <laughs> or something, yeah. Um, so this included all 39 books of the Old Testament and the 27 books of the New Testament. So this wasn't the first time that those books had all been chosen. It's like what's going to make up the Bible, but it was the first time that they'd all been put together in a single volume all in one language, which, as I say, was Latin. Um, And this is commonly referred to as the Vulgate edition. So we have, like, the King James Bible. Yeah. I'm sure there are many others. about a thousand years later. Yeah, precisely. So this is kind of the first complete edition um, of the Bible. So we're going to take a little look about how you make a Bible. As I say, we've got 66 books um, between the Old and New Testament. So... So it's like a wiki how. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Because I found it interesting that it was made up of all these different books. And so there's this process of, right, what are we going to agree on as the Bible? So the Christian Bible had a great head start because by the time Jesus and his disciples took centre stage and kind of formed, helped form Christianity, we of course had the Hebrew Bible before that. So we had those 39 books already put together as the Old Testament. Um, but once the early Church of Christ had established itself, obviously people who were looking to follow the religion wanted to um, kind of keep a historical record of Christ and his deeds and mm-hmm. his followers and things. So people started writing about him. Um, and those are what we know as the Gospels. Um, but as the Church continued to develop, leaders of the Church wanted to provide um, kind of like a one source of truth, like direction for their followers um, so they wrote letters that were kind of circulated throughout the Christian world of like, these are the values of the church, this is what Christ and his disciples got up to, um, and they're known as the epistles. 
But you fast forward 100 years and you have a problem because you have hundreds of these letters, hundreds of these books, all claiming to tell the story of Jesus. And I've always wondered with the apostles that they all basically told this, like, they all have... <laughs> I'm not I'm not comparing the Bible to, to Game of Thrones, but like, <laughs> in Game of Thrones, each chapter is told by a different person, isn't it, in the early books? Yes. So you basically have the same story of Jesus' birth told by Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Mm. And I'm like, surely that's a bit of a... a waste of... If you're going to pick this many books, don't use four of them telling the same story <laughs> in four different ways. Like, I'm just... I'm, I might be being really naive as to why that's happened, but like... No, so the, and that's a really good point. So those are the apostles, so, so the word I've used... Uh, Epist- no, but you talked about the apost- the gospel, sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sorry, the gospel, I got the apostles and the gospels mixed up. But you've got the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and they all tell the same story. Yeah, and they all claim to be... Well, that's why we have the saying, like, it, it's gospel. Yes, As in, like, yeah. it's watertight, it's, yeah. it's true. Um, yeah, which is a really interesting point. So it's what, kind of what we're going to get on to. So... You fast forward 100 years to say we've got all these different accounts flying round and it basically confused members of the church who were following the church because like, hang on a minute, just as you say, we've got different accounts Mm. of the same alleged events. How do we know what's true and what's not? So basically it leads people to go, hang on a minute, who's telling the truth? who's lying, it kind of just casts doubt over the whole religion, which obviously the leaders of the church don't want. So they all get together and they decide, right, which books are we going to regard as scripture and what are we going to discard? So they've got like the X Factor, where they've got yeah. the different people. And they so go this in. is it. So this is where they go, right, we are going to create the Bible, which I only actually found out during my research. The Bible is literally the book. That's the, the translation so you have well, you, well that makes sense because like bibliotech is libraries yes it? exactly and so then when I started thinking about it I thought oh actually that does make sense but I never kind of made that distinction that it's it is literally just known as the book and that's yeah. bible obviously like a translation I wonder, I wonder whether does Quran mean the same probably yeah yeah. I perhaps should have looked at all of that up. And mm. then the Torah and all these other religious texts as well. Yeah, precisely. Um, so yeah, they all the leaders get together and go, right, let's thrash this out and let's get a solid story and all come together. So we have these gatherings between really senior members of the church. Um, we have the Council of Nicaea in AD 325 and the First Council of Constantinople in AD 381. And so in these sessions, they're basically taking everything that's been written and they establish some rules as to what's going to make the cut of the Bible. So it's kind of like editing a film. You have all this stuff and going, right, what's going to make it in? And so they come up with these three golden rules, as it were. So it's going to go in the Bible if it was written by one of Jesus' disciples, someone who was at witness to Jesus' ministry, such as Peter, um, or someone who interviewed witnesses, such as Luke. So there's some famous examples. of. And they have to hit all three of those criteria, or one of the three? Uh, yes. So it also has to be written in the first century AD. So this is obviously for the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning that books written long after the events of Jesus' life and the first decades of the church aren't included, because they're basically 
not reliable. Yeah, you get this like distorted narrative that um, occurs over time as stories are handed down over generations and such. And then it also needs to be consistent with other portions of the Bible that are known to already be valid. So you can't have n- stories in the New Testament that are counteracting yeah. like older stories that are already classified as <laughs> like holy scripture. So it's like having the prequel already written and then you're like, I've got to make sure that the rest <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to go and do The Hobbit after Lord yeah. of the Rings. <laughs> Um, so they debate for decades over this and then finally settle on which books are going to make the cut for the Bible. And then a few years later, they're all published by St. Jerome in that single volume that I referred to earlier. But yeah, no, it's an interesting topic really to discuss. Um, and the way, and the, like you said, the way that the Bible was chosen and the way sort of like the... I'm, I'm mimicking the window cleaner motion with my hands are going, yeah, we'll have that one, but not that one. Oh, that one's a bit similar. Oh, that one definitely says there wasn't an arc. But unfortunately, <laughs> in Genesis, we've definitely said there is yeah. an arc. <laughs> Let's not counteract our own ideas. Yeah, so it's about this methodical process over decades to be like, right, yeah, these are the things yeah. that we're going to include. So that brings me then on to Golden Fact number two, in that, as you can imagine then, through that process is that there are many stories that didn't make the final cut of the Bible. And so this is obviously where I wanted to dive straight in. So we're going to take a look at some of the stories that kind of didn't didn't make what well, I'm going to call the, like the director's cut. Are these, <laughs> are these Jesus stories or are these a mixture? Uh, yes, we're going to focus on Jesus. So New the New Testament. The main stuff, protagonist yeah. of the <laughs> New Testament. Um, so yeah, these are kind of like the, the, the deleted scenes. And I, <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting because in the last few years we've had this huge clamour, I don't know whether you heard about it, like the, the movement behind um, the film The Justice Leagues, there was this whole movement around like hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Um, yes, and I, yeah, yeah, I find yeah. it interesting that we've had so many editions of the Bible but they all kind of, as far as I'm aware, I'm not a, an expert in the Bible, but like we don't um, diverge drastically from edition to edition in terms of the books are set. There might be minor discrepancies and, in language or whatever. And the but the but the the, the storyline stays the same. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yet we have this huge number, as I alluded to in Golden Fat Number One of other stories that are out there. Um, so I thought we'd play a little game and that imagine that we are at the council, of the, the first council of Constantinople. Shoot. You are a head honcho at the church. Yep. I am a lowly scribe who is presenting written works to you and you are going to decide if any of these stories should uh, be included in the, the Graham edition of okay. the Bible. There's a lot of money to be made for you, so if you get this right, you're going to make an absolute fortune. <laughs> so, a reminder, these stories are not considered biblical canon, but they are supposedly recorded events of Jesus's life. So we've got the first example comes from the Gospel of Pseudo-Matthew. So we have the Gospel of Matthew, and then the Gospel of Pseudo-Matthew is this kind of, as I mentioned, like a um, the extended director's cut, yeah. where we've kind of trimmed some stuff out of Matthew. Um so it's like, yeah, the extended version. So the official Gospel of Matthew made it to the Bible, and this bit didn't. So we've got some stories that are called the the Infancy Gospels, and these chronicle Jesus' childhood mm-hmm. and teenage years. Because in the Bible, it seems like we get Jesus is born, 
amazing, great news. He kind of jumps from being about 13 to 30, doesn't he? I think it's like even younger than that. We don't get much. I mean, I'll defer to your yeah. knowledge, but there isn't a huge amount. I suppose like he's just like a child. It's like, come on, like we want to hear about you growing up. And I always think about him being a teenager in the story of him like losing his family on there's like a story where he loses his family on like a long walk and he's found and in my head he's always a teenager well I say this story doesn't come up in my mind very often but I always remember it as a kid being that he was lost as like a 10 or 11 year old oh okay I might be wrong he might have been six um right okay well this story is when Jesus was two and uh, so there's part of this where this is the official canon and then it kind of as I say goes into an extended version so when Jesus was two King Herod famously heard about this new king of the Jews and he ordered all two-year-old male children in Bethlehem to be killed in order to kind of preserve his position as king. So Jesus' family had to flee Bethlehem. That's all 100% canon. However, while they're fleeing, they're journeying to Egypt, Jesus and his family stopped to rest in a cave, which to their surprise was populated by a herd of dragons. <laughs> this is where the Bible and Game of Thrones <laughs> merge together. It's the George R. R. Martin gospel. Um, so it says, And lo, suddenly there came forth from the cave many dragons, and when the children saw them, the children that were with uh, travelling with Jesus and his family, they cried out in a great terror. Then Jesus went down from the bosom of his mother, this is age two, and stood on his feet before the dragons, and they adored Jesus, and thereafter retired. <sighs> it sounds a little bit like Disney's Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> it's a no from me. Okay. <laughs> God, that was, that, was, that was one of my, my best ones. <laughs> that doesn't make it into the Graham Bible. Okay. So this comes from the Infancy Gospel of Thomas. And in this, we kind of learn that Jesus, he doesn't mess about. In this story, he's Is this of... Thomas also known as Doubting Thomas? Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't actually clarify Because his, his credibility is immediately shot because oh, of okay, that. Okay, so I'm off to a bad start, yeah. am I? But I picked this one because I thought it was interesting because he's clearly got some of the anger issues of kind of Old Testament... Like his dad from the Old Testament. <laughs> so um, this is in chapter two of the Gospel of Thomas. Uh, it's called Jesus Makes Sparrows. It says, The child Jesus was five years old. After it rained, he was playing at a ford of the flowing stream. And stirring up the dirty waters, he gathered them into pools and he made them clean and excellent, ordering them by word alone and not ordering them by a deed. So basically like his word was command and they kind of arranged themselves. Then, having taken soft clay from the mud, he formed twelve sparrows from it. But it was the Sabbath when he did these things, and many children were with him. But a certain Jew saw the child Jesus with other children doing these things. He went to Joseph, his father, and slandered the child Jesus, saying that he made clay on the Sabbath, which isn't permissible, and formed twelve sparrows. So Joseph went and rebuked him. Jesus to, to Jesus and said, Why are you doing these things on the Sabbath? But Jesus clapped his hands, ordering the birds with a shout in front of all, and said, Go, take flight like living beings. And the sparrows took flight, became living creatures, and flew off squawking. Having seen this, 
the Jew who was angry at him was amazed and reported it to all of his friends. So, so far, so Mm -hmm. good. Jesus performing the miracles that we kind of know of him. But the son of the high priest said to him, why are you doing such things on the Sabbath? And having taken a willowed twig, he destroyed the pools and drained the water which Jesus had been gathering. And it dried up all of their gatherings. Having seen what happened, Jesus said to him, your fruit will have no root and your shoot will be withered like a scorched branch in a violent wind. And immediately the child withered away and died. Okay. <laughs> um, is that the end of the story? <laughs> yes, we've got, we've got some more, but it's the first time I'd ever heard of Jesus killing anyone or allegedly killing anyone. I mean, for, for the... For the narrative, I'm I'm kind of tempted to let it in, because <laughs> um, every every hero of a story needs to have their flaws. <laughs> well, this is it. This and is... so, is the bit about the sparrows in the Bible already? No, I don't think so. So I I, I don't find the sparrow a bit believable, just to be clear. <laughs> but there's lots of bits in the Bible that I don't find believable. But I could see that making it in. That's not yeah. that different to turning water into wine, is it? Turning no. clay into birds. Brought a guy back from the dead. But he just had to go too far, didn't yeah. he? And kill someone. So. It's the first time you really hear about him being vengeful. Mm. You've messed up my sparrow, so I'm going to mess up your child. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what I find interesting, because you essentially have... To be blunt and crude... Jesus is like a super being, isn't he? <laughs> if we were to believe these miracles he performed... And it kind of just skips over his childhood and teenage years, which are when children are guilty of being petulant and spiteful. And if you're a five-year-old super being and you lash out at someone, you can just, oh, accidentally turned him into a withered twig. There are some real parallels here between both Jesus and Hercules, <laughs> but also Jesus and... Um, have you ever read or watched the Roald Dahl film and book Matilda? Yes. <laughs> she does a few like really horrible things with her magic powers that she's got. Yeah. Most of it is just like making stuff spin around in her house while she's cleaning. It's all very cute and nice. Yeah. <laughs> but she does have moments where she does some mean stuff to people. Yeah. So <sighs> if I've got my vote, I'm going to go no to the dragons, yes to the killing of the child. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, but here's an example of him doing something good. Um, and I thought it was another interesting example, I'll explain why afterwards, is that uh, this is from chapter 9 of the Gospel of uh, Thomas, and it's Jesus raises Zeno. So Jesus was just, he was out playing with some other kids in the village, um, and they were on a roof of an upstairs room. But one of the children fell and died, very sad, and the other children saw this and went into their house, and they left Jesus alone. The parents of the child who had died then came and accused Jesus, saying, you pushed our child down, like, off the roof. And Jesus said, I didn't push him. And the the parents are really angry and they're shouting. So Jesus had to come down from the roof, stand beside the the body of the child who had died, and just out loud said, Zeno, Zeno, and because this was his name, rise and say whether I pushed you down. And he rose this boy from the dead and says, no, Jesus didn't push me. Convenient. And the people saw and were amazed 
and the parents of the child promised God and uh, they, they praised God and promised to to worship him and the child Jesus so obviously an amazing feat some good deeds coming from Jesus now but I like this idea of it wasn't Jesus's first instinct to raise the boy from the dead but when he got in trouble for it he was like, like fine I'll, look, use, I'll yeah. use my superpowers yeah. to raise him <laughs> so I can get out of trouble yeah. <laughs> and again it's this this idea that I think that is it's fascinating because these are the sorts of things that children have to deal with is that other children dobbing them in yes. and trying to get out of trouble <laughs> and when you're a superhero get up and then <laughs> tell him that I didn't do that yeah it's very um it's nice and convenient for him um so yeah there's a, there's an interesting mix here of him kind of still doing these miracles and these other horrible things but I, I think it's it's interesting because it just I find it it kind of makes him more relatable not in a way that obviously he's got he's raising people from the dead and making um inanimate objects um turning them to life but one of the problems that I personally have, I'm openly saying I'm an atheist, that the problem I have is that God and Jesus are supposed to be, like, perfect. Mm. And that's the part that I kind of struggle to deal with. When actually in the Old Testament, God does loads of crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, quite cruel stuff, like flooding the entire earth, for example. <laughs> um, so I like these stories because they make Jesus like the human side of him kind of bring him out because if you are five and you can lash out you probably would unintentionally it's just if you lash out when you've got superpowers then you're going to kill somebody there are consequences and conveniently thankfully you can also raise them from the dead and undo his work (laughs) but (laughs) but I I believe that if Jesus was the son of God and magic that he would do stupid things when growing up so I find it a shame, actually. Obviously, I can see why they're not in there, because they only want to paint a good picture of Jesus. Mm. But I actually, I would prefer it. I would have probably engage more with Christianity, especially as a, they, you know, as a kid growing up. You kind of want to be able to relate to this person that you're supposed to be worshipping. Yeah, and I think, actually, the only story that I can think of from the Bible where it doesn't paint Jesus in a good light is when he loses his temper in the temple... And he like because they're like gambling in the temple, and he goes yes. around and he swipes all the stuff off the tables, and that's meant to be like this shows that Jesus isn't perfect. I'm like he was killing people. <laughs> if, if 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 Thomas is to be believed, <laughs> yeah, then and I think Thomas, there is stuff from Thomas in the Bible, isn't there? I'm sure there is. I'm I don't, not sure I don't if it's think there's the a book of Thomas, Thomas or not. Oh, why do they just have different names? I mean, <laughs> so many Peters and Marks and Luke's and. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's an it's an interesting conundrum because you're if you're writing a biography of somebody, which certainly in the early bits of the New Testament is basically what the New Testament is is a, bi- a biography of Jesus. Mm. Then you're gonna cut out the the bits where you went on a bender, and talk about the bits where you <laughs> where, where you brought Lazarus back because yeah. you didn't kill Lazarus beforehand. No, yeah, precisely. So that brings the end to story time of the the infancy gospels, and as we mentioned earlier, clearly the church had a lot of stories that they had to cut and which ones to go in, and they, I'm sure, deliberately chose 
you know, they, they wanted to exclude stories that kind of portrayed Jesus mm-hmm. in, a, in a bad light. Um, but as I say, I like these because they help humanise him. Um, so, golden fact number three then. Not so much a golden fact, but it was just something I wanted to talk about. And that was the idea of the, the sequel. The idea of what's next for the Bible. Mm. We famously we End love of series one. We we love a trilogy. Yeah, we've had part one and part two of the Bible, the Old and New Testament. Where's the newer Testament? Well, I presume you haven't watched the um, the musical, the Book of Mormon. I have not. So the Mormons, I think, basically claim that their book is the third oh. Testament. How interesting, because I did look to see if anyone had... Um, had... Obviously, most people discredit, like, yeah. apart from the Mormons, everyone <laughs> discredits the idea that the Book of Mormon is anything related to the Bible, because it was, it was and, and the Book of Mormon mocked, mocked the, the Book of Mormon musical mocks this slightly, but he, they basically say, like, it's very convenient that um, God basically told this one random guy who happened to live in somewhere in America to go to the end of his garden and find some ancient stones that just happen to have this new story right written down on them but don't show anybody else them <laughs> don't show anybody else those stones copy them down onto normal paper and then destroy the stones <laughs> nobody else is allowed to see them and then like ah oh, maybe that was what God was going for <laughs> but one of the lines in the Book of Mormon the guy basically goes he goes so um so the Bible's really a trilogy and the Book of Mormon is Return of the Jedi is, <laughs> is one of the lines from one of the Psalms. Wow, okay. I, d- I can't believe that didn't come up in my search. I... <laughs> but I was looking for, obviously, I know that there isn't. But Please I wondered... tell me on your Google history there is Bible sequel written <laughs> Yeah, there. there probably is. I tried to go, is there a third act for the Bible? Third act? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because when I was looking at it, and the Old Testament was written roughly between 1500 and 500 BC, so it took about a thousand years, then we get the New Testament, which was written over a few hundred years, as well as, you know, they had various discussions about what goes in and what doesn't. So that's about 500 years after the Old Testament was written. We're now about 1500 years after that, so it's like, we're well overdue. So I wanted to just talk about kind of what first of all i wasn't 100 percent sure where the new testament left things i knew that the final book was revelations which is known as the apocalypse of john and that's basically a sort of prediction of the end of the world and the sort of second coming yeah have i got that right yeah so it's kind of prophesizing the second coming um but i wasn't quite sure what was going on in history at the time because obviously that is isn't it a series of dreams that john has where the visions come to him and the book, we, we kind of leave reality in a way. Yeah, and because... it's, all, it's all then about the ascension and, like, Jesus Jesus returning to heaven, basically, I think. Is well, it? so you look at that, because I was looking then at the timeline of the New Testament, and it turns out that Jesus being crucified, resurrected, and then the ascension all happen you know, quite a bit before the New Testament ends. Like, obviously, Jesus' life is, like, the majority of it, but it's not just Jesus ascends and then we wrap things up. There's other stuff that happens afterwards. So we get another, like, 40, 50-year period with 
the disciples spreading the word, basically. So does then he just keep coming? Or because the Revelations is doom and gloom, isn't it? Very Revelations much. is all about like there'll be the sign of the beast and all of this sort of yeah. stuff and like the four harbingers of the apocalypse and all of this sort of stuff like lots of plague and pestilence. Yeah, <laughs> like I think we did we do oh we did apocalypse as a we an did yeah. last time didn't we? Um, and like they're talking about this like thing about the antichrist. Yeah, there's yeah. loads of very like as I say we kind of leave the real world because obviously these are predictions of potentially things to come, but in terms of history. We get the disciples spreading the word of the religion, and then there's a famous incident of the Romans destroying the Jewish temple, which is something that Jesus apparently predicted. So there's kind of this this foresight of of him. Um, But if we don't necessarily need Jesus to kind of carry on writing for a while... What what do you think will we need to kind of get that third act? Would it need to be the second coming? Or because we have the whole Old Testament where Jesus isn't knocking about. So why is it that we've decided about 1,500 years ago, okay, that's it. The, the religion hasn't died there. So why do religions... Because lots of stuff in the Old Testament, like... The Old Testament was written, was a collection of stories that people had written contemporaneously, mm. but then collected way after. So, presumably the people, Jerome, who was co- collating the first Bible, presumably was like, these bits fit in with what happened with Jesus afterwards, mm. and these bits don't. So we don't need that because actually that doesn't bear any resemblance to the God that we that we want to know about in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we want to talk about like God getting rid of all the evil and da 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 da, da and doing all of this sort of stuff. Um, so it creates, and I, I don't, I, it we I don't want to come across as us being disrespectful, but it's almost like it's the backstory to Jesus. Mm. It's a backstory to the world that Jesus came into because Jesus, the whole idea was that Jesus came to save the world. The whole Christian idea was that Jesus came to take okay. the sins of humans, of, of, of the people on earth. So actually, the the writers of the stuff in the Old Testament is all about like all these people who are sinning and they're doing all this stuff wrong the whole time. They then get to the, the, the coming of Jesus, which obviously was prophesied as well. Like it wasn't just a, oh, Here's a bit. Like, <laughs> everyone knew it was going to happen. Yeah. So there's an element where it's like, oh, all this bad stuff's happening, all this bad stuff's happening. We get to the people creating the prophecies and people like um, uh, like Ezekiel and all of those sort of the prophets where they come and they bring in this message. They're saying God's going to send his son to save the world. And that's in the Old Testament. And that's in the Old Testament. Uh, and then you're like, oh, okay. right, bang. Setting that talks up the sequel. Th- th- there you go in about all the stuff that's just happened. And then you kind of get to the end of, like, I suppose, I suppose the idea is that Jesus will come again. Christian idea is that Jesus will come again on Judgment Day. Mm. But that's it. That's the end. Of, that's, that, that's the end. Yeah. And actually, if Jesus comes, there's no one then to chronicle what happens. Because that would be the ideal, like... Dirty Den coming back to EastEnders after, <laughs> after, after like 20 years of like, well, we thought you were dead. Like him returning 
would be the ultimate, like, right now we've got a whole new story to make. But actually, if the whole idea of Jesus coming on Judgment Day is that the world then is done, yeah, then what they gonna, who's going to write it? It's going to be a really short story. Yeah, who's, who's going to write that story? Yeah. Okay. So, in my mind, there's no point in having a sequel because... The Bible, the, old, the the idea is that the Bible begins and ends with Jesus. Well, not just begin and end with Jesus, but you know what I mean. Like, it begins and ends. The, 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 the Old Testament is building up to Jesus. The New Testament is Jesus. Yeah. Um, and therefore, and this and this is the Christian perspective. Right? Like, obviously, like, in Judaism, they discount the New Testament, don't they? Like, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Old Testament is sacrosanct and... The New Testament is like, well, Jesus wasn't the Son of God, was he? Mm. Um, so, where would it, where where would a sequel take it? Because actually, once Jesus has returned to his heavenly dwelling, what 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 would now happen? What would you be writing about? Yeah, good point. Because you you're writing about like. The, the Old Testament is a lot of God stuff. A lot of this is what God was doing. Yeah, so I just found it interesting that why do we not kind of um, go back to that a bit more? I'm because, just curious. Because I'm is, saying this out of complete ignorance. Because is the idea that the, the people that were writing the stories for the Old Testament were people that were given those stories to tell by God. Mm, and therefore... I don't get that anymore. And therefore, would, we, would it be considered blasphemous... If yeah. someone went, I'm going to think about Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism. People think he's crazy. Yeah. People who've claimed to be the second coming, like David Icke. Yeah. Claimed to be the second coming of Jesus. We treat these people like crazy people. Yeah. And therefore, it would take a lot of balls to say. <laughs> I think I've. But they're only doing what some bloke did two thousand years ago, or four thousand years people ago. People were a lot more susceptible to, <laughs> well, to yeah. scams. Back and then. I, don't, I don't. And I don't want to be disrespectful. No, I'm, no, I'm, no. Say, I'm saying this out of, like as I say, pure ignorance and more curiosity. That why did we, or rather they, stop? And do we presume then that there will be no more? Because all kind of religious texts, as far as I'm aware, are relatively ancient and we kind of don't we no longer get new volumes of these things so we're no because when it happens people think well you're it's blasphemous or exactly it's, it's stupid yeah because like you get people who go right this is the new and i think this is where we struggle because then we have a whole religious community or communities who are following the guidance of a book written thousands of mm. years ago in a world that is so vastly different yeah. to our own and this is where the fundamental issue with relig- that a lot of people have with religion is and actually yeah. like it can't be updated without you being called crazy yeah. yeah and you can't pick and choose the bits of the bible that you want to listen to people mm. do yeah say with any religion people pick and choose the bits of the, their holy books that they're going to pay attention to and so much of stuff in the bible contradicts each other even though you've said they tried to pick bits that don't there are bits that do. There's bits in the in the Quran. There's bits in like the Torah that yeah. c- c- contradict other parts of it. But then also, interestingly, there are then parts with the Quran and the Bible and the Torah and these things. They intersect as well. They well, describe yeah, the, similar. The whole idea and... of like, and I think did we touch on this in another episode? Or I might have done it in, for something else. Like we talk, like there's a lot of 
Jesus in Quran. Yeah. Like, Jesus's name is mentioned more in the Quran than the Prophet Muhammad's is. Wow, okay. Did not know that. No. Um, so, it's it's crazy. It is crazy that somebody would then write anything more because people would go, how do you know mm. this? Whereas I don't think people did. And actually, people couldn't read back then. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff where it's been told by hearsay and hearsay and hearsay and hearsay and the stories have been passed down and it's kind of just become part of society and part of culture and now we've gone from where there was no religion to where everybody was religious yeah to now where like i'd probably say that we were getting towards a 50 50 split in this country of people who would class themselves as christian yeah or any religion um and that's a really good point, and that's why I kind of wanted to talk. I, I, we're veering as we were always going to into religion, which I wanted to kind of because it's a it's a minefield. But the, and that's I think it's a really good point. You saying that people didn't know how to read back then, and that's where the Bible you get a book that comes together, and people are handing it out. The written word is a very powerful thing mm. back then, and that's why I think the Bible is a really fascinating topic and it's why I wanted to cover it and discuss how it came about. And yeah, and I think I think the idea with the Bible as well and thinking about education and things like that is <clears throat> there wasn't the same level of education for people. So they read the Bible and as far as they were concerned, that was the gospel. Yeah. Like, that is what to believe. And actually now there's wider education and science mm-hmm. that actually this, you can look at the stuff in the Bible and go... The story of creation, and we talked about this when we did creation, Adam and Eve as the first episode, we talked about the fact that the creation story cannot have happened. Scientists have disproven Mm. the fact that that did not happen in the way that the Bible says it did. Yeah. Because evolution happened. Yeah. And so I think, like, education plays a big part in that. Then going, well, actually, we, we know that certain bits of this can't have happened. Mm. And when when you start pulling a thread of the Bible and go, well, if that's not true, yeah, what else? What else isn't? Yeah. It's a fascinating topic. I could we could sit here and talk about this. We for could, hours. yeah. And I wanted to try and keep it as limited as possible to yeah the book, the Bible itself. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end then of a very interesting discussion. Fascinating. Um, I just yeah, I found it interesting that as I say, this is the most sold, possibly probably most read book mm. in history. Um, to find out that it was kind of put together over a few thousand years with councils involved, like what goes in, what stays out, the edits, as yeah. we've seen, some fascinating stories. Um, I just find it... I think religion throws up so many... Regardless of my belief as an atheist, religion is such a powerful thing in the form of like literature, art, mm. music. Oh, it's the thread that has gone through the entire history of mm. the world. So it's an incredible... Force, mm. whether you think it's for, for good or bad yeah, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, interesting topic that I really wanted to, to cover. So, I hope you learned a few, few I things. I did, yeah, that was fascinating. And the... it was nice that it became slightly more of like a discussion as well. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating, like I said, we've been talking for nearly an hour about various things today. Obviously, you're hearing this edit, that won't be an hour. <laughs> but, like, we could talk about it for another two. Like I can yeah, sit there yeah. and have a discussion with it. I think it'd be interesting. Hopefully, as this podcast evolves, perhaps like we maybe get more into the this mm. sort of side of it. Um, yeah, we'll have to see as we go forward. But um, 
we better wrap things up, yes, haven't we? Indeed. So um, we're going to shout out our genius to uh, patrons. So thank you very much to Sarah McDaniel, Rob Craig, Mike Kavanagh and Stuart Hill. They're our genius tier members. If you're interested in the patron, there'll be a link in the description and there are uh, a host of uh, benefits available depending on your membership. Um, so please do check that out if you're interested. Leave us a review or rating on your app of choice. And if you want to get in touch with us to ask questions or suggest topics and things like that, how can they reach us? Oh, you've thrown it back at me. <laughs> um, you can get in contact with us on Instagram and Twitter at FactitiousPod, on Facebook, Factitious Podcast, and then on email is FactitiousPodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. Cool. Okay. Well, as I say, I think that brings us to the end then. Mm. So uh, thank you very much for listening and thank you for joining me, Rob. See ya.